You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Search your podcast app for Locked On to get podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, and fantasy sports. I'm Doug Branson. I cover the team for FanRagSports.com. I'm joined by the man, the myth, the legend. He's been covering the Hornets since they were the Bobcats for AtTheHive.com from the mean streets of Cotswold, David Walker, 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 Walker. Doug, the streets are foggy this morning, man. Have you looked outside? I can't see a thing. Well, yeah, don't I, well the real question, anything. listen, the real question is how many children have you hit this morning with your vehicle? I have not hit any children now or ever, and I thought we agreed to just put that issue to bed, and we're not going to talk about it anymore. Well, I would, I would love to do that. Once I feel <laughs> that... The, the teens, the preteens, the children of Charlotte are safe in their beds. That's when I'll put this issue away. <laughs> if they're in their beds, they're perfectly safe. <laughs> Maybe. All right. Trust me. This has been, uh, this has been a fun w- way to start the week because we've, we, we get to talk about you know, the All-Star Weekend. We talked about that yesterday. If you want to recap yeah. of that, please go check out yesterday's show. We almost did an hour on the All-Star Weekend, so... Not enough. Not enough to figure out the dunk contest. I don't think we I don't think we solved it yet. We're still we're still on the case of how to fix the dunk contest, but go listen to our thoughts there. I just want to start this show with a quick thought. I love that we cover the NBA as a league. That's good. Because the NBA, David, gets it. They get it from from a lot of perspectives. But they they get it from the perspective of we know that people love our product. And if people share our product on the Internet, specifically social media, we're going to let that happen because we understand that even though they are consuming our product for free and we do not see any money from that directly, indirectly, they are they are excited about the product, will seek our product and give us money for that product. The reason that I bring this up is because I keep seeing all of these people posting on social media clips of the Olympics, this this huge worldwide event that I'm sure that NBC, who has exclusive rights to, want people to be excited about, yet primetime ratings are down. Some of that could be because it's halfway across the world, so there's time differences, even though a lot of it's taped. But primetime ratings are down. That's a fact. And yet, when I go on social media, David, I see takedown after takedown after takedown, NBC removing clips <laughs> from social media. And I just don't understand why you would not want someone to be excited about your product. And I love the NBA because they understand that if I share a clip of Fergie doing sexy time national anthem yeah that that's good for the nba even though that's seemingly negative that's good for the nba 
Yes, and they've gotten it from the very beginning, Doug. They were the, at the forefront of whether it was YouTube highlights or Vine, RIP Vine, um, you know, social media clips. They've always been on board with that, and it makes sense. It makes sense to get the traction out there. Uh, so I'm, I'm with you on this one. I, I, I do have a, a suggestion or two for our friends in the advertising department of the NBA, if you'll, if you'll indulge. Please. So NBA promos, Doug, they seem to live on forever. The fact that the Andersons still have tickets for this game is driving me up a freaking wall. I, 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 we need, a, we need to know what else happened. We need a sequel. We need some sort of continuation because I swear to God, wow. if, these, if this guy is still surprised that the Andersons of all people, wow. I need to know more about these people. What is so wrong with the Andersons? Why can't they have tickets to the game? What's the big shock? Um, well, so you're, you bring that's up my, a great point like that, that commercial did hit the NBA culture, maybe even the wider sports culture in some way. And we didn't get a sequel. So they, right. they, they may be hip in some ways, but they are not savvy in others. And, and this is a league that tried, some would say tried too hard during these all-star festivities mm. and yet you're saying in some of these advertisements they're not trying enough they've got to try a little harder to to maybe do some sequels on these commercials yeah i need the expanded anderson's universe i need to know what their reaction was when they sent that picture to their neighbors and rubbed it right in their face i need to know what led up to that there must have been some sort of disagreement in the neighborhood some some tree that was argued about that needed to be taken down there wasn't some lawn that wasn't cut it messed up the HOA. We need answers, people. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Let me know. See, I thought you I'm, had. I thought you had some wide-ranging uh, critique of the NBA at large, and now I see that this really <laughs> boils down to one thing: that you want a sequel to that commercial. This had nothing to do with the larger point uh, that I had, or that really oh, anyone no, no, no. has. This is just you had an opportunity to grab the microphone to ask for one specific thing from the national basketball association and you took it. Yes, exactly. And can I just say something else about Fergie? Uh, she please. tried her best. Okay. She, she's come of course. back. And, and you know, I think we were pretty fair in that it was an interpretation. We didn't put her down there. Yeah. She just wanted to see some basketball and she took her, she took her moment on the spotlight. She it, shot it, was, it was her shot. She shot her shot. Exactly. Well, the yeah. thing is like, listen, I'm never going to criticize someone for passionately doing something. Right. Mm. In fact, I think Fergie did exactly what the, what the NBA wanted her to do. The, the thing is in the, in the attention economy that we've created with a lot of things, uh, mm. with, with the, with the internet and social media specifically, the worst thing you can do is be meh. Like you can, yes. if, if you're extremely terrible or extremely awkward, it's the same uh, exchange rate as being extremely awesome, extremely cool, extremely amazing. Like those things ha go hand in hand. See, the problem, the problem with the, the introductions to the, the all-stars and that whole right. like Jamie Foxx in a cowboy outfit it was, sure. was kind of weird, but it wasn't weird enough. That's the thing. I, I criticize it not because it was disrespectful, like, like Kevin Hart got some critiques because maybe his roasting was disrespectful of the athletes. No, no, that's not why it was bad. It was because it wasn't disrespectful enough because the jokes were obviously sort of uh, uh, whittled down 
to be respectful of the process. But if you're going to do that, you got to make it extremely awkward. In fact, the one part that I thought was actually uh, good from that whole Kevin Hart deal is when he was screaming at Kyrie Irving that the earth was flat as Kyrie Irving was exiting the stage. That's the best. Yeah. <laughs> you got to go all or nothing. And in fact, it's a, it's the same critique that I have for the Shaq and Kobe interview that okay. aired uh, prior to all of these all-star festivities kicking off. This was supposed to be a big deal a moment Shaq and Kobe getting right. together, having an interview, hashing this beef that they have out and it fell completely flat. Tell me why. Well, so let's walk this back for a second. I know we haven't mm-hmm. even started to talk about the Charlotte Hornets. I prob I promise it's coming. We've got, uh, we've got like six or seven things that need to change with the Hornets. If they're going to make, uh, their moonshot playoff chances a reality. So that's coming is up. Under, but, but is ownership one of them? Spoiler no, alert now. Okay, no. good. Uh, that's well, that's not gonna happen. Uh, so <laughs> I'm not why why entertain that at, at present. Mm-hmm. But I promise we're gonna get to that. But indulge me for for a moment. If you haven't seen this Shaq and Kobe interview, I'm not really gonna spoil much. I encourage you to watch it because it's interesting for a variety of reasons, uh, all of which I won't get to here. But let's walk this back. The origins of this go back to the Magic uh, Magic Johnson-Isaiah Thomas interview that was done yeah. in the exact, exact same location as Shaq and Kobe did their interview. And it was Magic and Isaiah basically hashing out their beef. There was some crying involved. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and they talked about why they, they fought in the first place and sort of uh, buried the hatchet. And Shaq saw this. And thought to himself, "I got to do this with Kobe." Like that's that's what he thought. He said, "I got we. This is this makes sense." Like yeah. Kobe and Shaq, it was a big deal. The beef that they had in Los Angeles and ended up with three championships, but it also ended up with Shaq being traded to Miami. So he thought, "I we can do this. This will be a big deal." The NBA said, "Yeah, sure," and TNT said, "Absolutely, let's do it." We we get these guys sitting down, David, and. Well, here's here are my couple of quick thoughts, and then we're going to get to Hornet stuff. Number one, um, I don't know why Kobe did this because he had he even stated that he had no intention of crying. Which larger point that he was making is I have no intention of really letting this beef go, and and I think I came away with this thinking these two guys still hate each other, and this was a terrible idea. (laughs) And you could sort of see if you really watch Shaq closely. As this interview goes on, you can see it on his face. I swear to you, you can. You can see this like, oh, man, this was a bad idea. Because there were a few times where Kobe just had this look in his eye like, I'm glad we're here because I'm going to dunk on you in this interview. Right. It's interesting, yeah, because the the Magic Isaiah thing, I think, caught some flack in and of itself for a lot of reasons because, I mean – I don't think they ever touched on like the all-star game or Mag- magic's magic's exit from the game because of HIV and maybe uh, Isaiah's reaction to that and maybe lack of support in some areas. So it, both of these, and you tell me, cause to be honest, I haven't seen the, all of the Shaq and Kobe thing, but it's just manufactured. I mean, that, that, that feels like the, the feeling that it comes from. Well, that's right? the, pro- or, or that was the, so that's the problem is that Shaq did this not because I don't think because there was a, a legitimate 
desire to put away a beef. He saw the magic in Isaiah thing and thought this would be good for me. And this would be good for this television show that I'm on. And he said as much in that, right? He was like, if I wasn't Shaq and Kobe, I would love this story, basically. Which, I, you know, I guess makes sense. But because I guess everyone else did love the story, and I guess they still do. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of drama. But it's clear that, wouldn't it be more interesting if they just, if they walked off, you know, if, if, if there was no beef squashed? And it would have been more beef. interesting if this was a celebrity boxing match. Remember those with Tanya Harding? Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. and others competing with each other in, in silly boxing. That would have been more interesting. This was this was interesting from a psychological perspective, but not it didn't really it didn't really we just sort of went it was a highlight reel of all of their beef. Uh, Kobe did reveal that he seriously thought about going to Chicago, and that seemed to surprise Shaq in some way. Uh, but this was really an opportunity for Kobe Bryant to express on multiple occasions that he has five championships and Shaq has four. Yeah, and yeah. and again, I just think that these guys walked away going, I don't know if they made any money from it, but you know, good good on you, good on me. Let's get out of here because and never see each other again and never talk. <laughs> That's why I, I walked away from Magic Isaiah thinking these two guys might talk. Not probably they're not going to be best buds, but they'll talk. No, I don't. Kobe and Shaq, they're they're always just going to, because they're just two polarizing personalities. They they will never. They are oil and water. They will never mesh. Okay, coming up, the things that need to change around the Hornets organization if they want to make the playoffs. That's a big if. That's a question they have to ask themselves right now. Do they even want that? Because so far, the answer has been, I don't know, maybe, well, yes. So if they answer that question, yes, we're going to go over some things that have to change coming up. Also, my favorite moment from behind the scenes, All-Star Weekend, it's hilarious. It involves Joel Embiid and Al Horford. That's coming up in a few moments as well. We'll be right back. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Thoughts on the news about Cody Zeller's injury? That's a tough one, man. I mean, what the f- Dude. Uh-oh. He's just injured, man. It's, it's okay. okay. It's Look, just, you know, he's injuries just happen. With an injury. He didn't want <laughs> to get injured, okay, David? But, but, uh, Sorry, guys. I just had someone jump out in front of my vehicle. That's uh, That was understand. Only on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, the Hornets will get back into action on Thursday against the Brooklyn Nets here in Charlotte. 25 games remaining. The Hornets have made post-All-Star break runs before, and and it has helped propel them to their last two playoff appearances. They've won more than 20 or 20 or more games in both of those seasons, 13 and 14, and uh, uh, 15, or excuse me, um, yeah, 15, 16. So... They've done this before. Can they do it again, David, is the big question. I I would lean on the side of no right now, just based on what I've seen heading into the All-Star break, but maybe there's some kind of revelation uh, that that several of these players will have or, or have had over the All-Star break, and they can come back and make a run. But there's there are things that need to change. David, if that's going to happen, uh, why don't you kick us off? What has to happen for this team to make what could be a historic run to the playoffs if they were able to pull it off? Yes, exactly. I mean, clearly some things need to change. 
I don't know how much room there is for some of these things to change, Doug. But in my opinion, these small adjustments or or uh, or shifts in uh, distribution need to happen. Uh, I, I'm starting right at the top. Uh, Kimball Walker, Doug, uh, two-time All-Star, two-time, two-time All-Star. Uh, last year, prior to the All-Star break, played 34.3 minutes per game. After the All-Star break, that went up just over a minute to 35.6. He's already played 35 minutes per game this season heading into the All-Star break. I, I don't think, given the makeup of this team, he can afford to play fewer minutes. Uh, so I think he's going to have to either, I think he's going to have to increase that, to be honest with you. I just don't think the backup point guard spot at all this year has been at a place where he can afford to take nights off. This is the definition of do or die uh, stretch here. So he's going to have to, I think, kick those minutes up a little bit. As crazy as that might sound, because he's playing a lot, 25 games to go, it's time to put all your, you know, push all your chips to the middle of the table here. I don't think that uh, sounds so, crazy. I think, yeah, I think, you know, there, there are people that would comment and say, man, you gotta, you gotta save, Kim- save Kimber for what? I mean, this is why right. you have an all-star player. Look at LeBron James's minutes. Look at Russell Westbrook's minutes, especially last season when he was the only game in town. Like this is why you have an all-star player is to, yeah. uh, you know, help propel your team. And the only way that he can do that presently uh, with, with the roster that he has with him is to be on the floor. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think the 15 minutes or whatever he played in L.A. the other night is going to affect him too much either. So he's going to be ready to go. And that's that's Kimba. Like, think how many times Clifford's like, Kimba just looks over at me and says, I'm not coming out. So, I mean, they're going to follow his lead. If they're going to make it, it's going to be because Kimba Walker has a heck of a run. And it's because his shooting has improved really since that that whole trade trade deadline debacle where it leaked that he was going to be traded and then Michael Jordan had to come out and say, <clears throat> excuse me, that that he wasn't going to be traded for anything. Uh, uh, basically, that it had to be an all-star talent. Everyone knew that wasn't going to happen. And so his, his shooting returned to form. My first change is that the rest of the team's shooting has to improve. The Hornets are 29th on the season in effective field goal percentage, 24th over the last 10 games, so it is improving somewhat. Some of that has to do with subpar three-point shooting. They are 14th in three-point field goal percentage and 23rd in attempts on the year, so they have to take more. They've seen improved shooting from deep over the last 10 games where they are 14th in attempts and 8th in percentage, so that has to continue. But they are also 29th in two-point field goal percentage, only better than the Sacramento Kings in that category. They are 23rd in catch-and-shoot situations and... Uh, middle of the pack and pull up jump shots. They aren't they aren't getting into the paint as much, and when they do get there, they are having trouble finishing. So, really, I mean, they just have to shoot the basketball better and continue the the small progress that they were making heading into the break. Increase on that, and and that will give them a chance. What do you got for me, David? Yeah, shooting's been key all year, Doug. And I, you know, I think you and I agree on this. The more baskets you make, uh, the better your chance at winning. Absolutely. All right. Another change for me. <laughs> I've got another one. Uh, Nicholas Batum, Doug, you may have heard of this guy. Uh, people tend to bring him up every once in a while. He makes a lot of money. He plays basketball for the Charlotte Hornets. But one thing he hasn't been doing a lot of is hitting enough of those three-pointers. So I'm kind of piggybacking off of yours. He's only making one and a half threes a game. That would be his lowest 
in Charlotte in a Hornets uniform if that were to continue. And as a matter of fact, almost the lowest of his career, that, that injury plague season in Portland, he only made one, just under one and a half. So I think he's got to get his attempts up. You know, your solution to the shooting was early on in the season were, were for the team as a whole to shoot more threes. I think the team's got to be eye on those as well. Don't worry about the foul calls. Don't worry about trying to draw in those three-point uh, fouls. But go ahead and look for the open shot. Certainly has to make some, but he's got to be more of a threat from the outside and then spark with uh, taking some more outside shots. And it's really a mystery because he, he is fully healthy. We know that. And and yet, some nights his shot, it's not that he's missing. It, it's He's missing erratically. He's not missing from the same area of the rim. It, it really is a mystery uh, probably to him, just as much as it is everyone else, uh, why he can just pick nights to completely disappear. Uh, speaking of disappearing, I'm going to go with uh, changing uh, Frank Kaminsky. His offense hasn't been good enough over the past five to ten games to make up for defense that is somehow getting worse. This was supposed to be a turnaround year for the young guy, David. He had a fully healthy offseason. You know, two off seasons, two off seasons ago, he had chest issues. He had lung issues. And, and that severely stunted his development that season. This season, there were supposed to be no excuses. But he's allowing 1.17 points per possessions on jump shots. That's 8th percentile. 1.275 on catch-and-shoot opportunities. That's 14th percentile. He's been de- decent in pick-and-roll man coverage, but he's awful guarding the roll man, and he's getting driven on at will and just doesn't have what it takes to recover from those situations. He was benched in the second half of their win against Orlando right before the All-Star break, and it's pretty clear to me that defense was part of the issue. Most Bates was getting open looks because of miscommunications and slow recoveries between Kaminsky and Michael Carter-Williams. The Hornets did a better job defensively with Spates and generally with the pick and roll in the second half. So he's getting, you know, he's getting benched for defense at this point. That has to change because they need his offensive contributions when when they're there. But he was one and five in that first half, so he wasn't playing well on offense and giving up too many points on defense. Uh, this is also important because the Hornets are going to face some tough decisions in the offseason if they cannot unload one of the major contracts that that's currently around this franchise's neck right now. They will have a few holes to fill and not a lot of money to work with. It's conceivable that Lamb and Kaminsky both could be jettisoned to free up space. Right now, Frank Kaminsky is not playing in a way that would make that decision very difficult. Lamb, that decision would be very difficult, but he is an expiring contract, would be easier to move. But Lamb is developing. Lamb's going in the right direction. Frank Kaminsky, unfortunately, is not. Uh, David, I don't know how many changes you have. I have a couple more. Do you have another one? I got one more for you, and it's it's back to my man Nikki Batum, Nikki Buckets. No one calls him that, um, but I do. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Not now that he doesn't get these changes. Uh, but one other area, Doug, and this is something we really look for him to contribute in when he returned from injury. Just hasn't happened this year. Is the assists um, currently at four point seven assists per game? That would be the lowest of his his career since he started playing like big minutes. So that's like, his game. After yeah, after about 2011, 2012, he's been up around five assists uh, per game. So, I mean, not a huge drop-off, but certainly his lowest in Charlotte. He's been closer to six the entire time he's been a Hornet. So, I think he's got to find a way to get others involved as well. Um, maybe the timing with he and Dwight Howard 
and other players will finally click. Yeah. Towards the end of this season hasn't happened with consistency as of yet, but I think he's such a big piece to this team, Doug. And that is why he gets a lot of flack for the struggles and for his own struggles as well as the team. So, you know, he's making that big contract. He's got to contribute in other ways because it's not just about the scoring, as we always say, but if he's not giving you those assist numbers, if he's not chipping in in other ways to help create the offense, then, then he's really being a detriment to this team. So I think that's another area he's got to look to improve on. Well, let's say this too, to be fair, if the shooting is better across the board, then, you know, all boats rise on a high tide or something. That's not right. But anyway, he, if everyone shoots better then everyone gets more assists. So there's, there's, there's that issue as well. Uh, I want to go to Dwight Howard next. Uh, What needs to change with Dwight Howard for this team uh, to accomplish the goal that they set out at the beginning of the season, which is to make the playoffs right now. I think they have to win 20 of the next 25. That's a long, long, long shot. We called it a moon shot. Yeah. So we know this, okay, but we're just telling you. And honestly, too, David, when we talk about this stuff, all of these players that we're talking about right now are under contract for next year. It doesn't it doesn't do the franchise or or them as individual players any good if they don't improve over these next 25 games. Or, or, or to not try for this, right, Doug? I think that's what you're going to hear, especially right out of the gate. Why are they even trying? Why aren't they giving Monk, Bacon, the other guys more minutes? But, I mean, you can't sell that to your team. You can't say as long as we're still in this race – we're just gonna we're just gonna mail this this twenty five game stretch in. You, Great way to alienate going. your players and 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 leave them with a bad taste right. in their mouth heading into next season for sure. All right, so Dwight Howard, I think his offensive balance has to change. Not a big surprise here if you've tracked Dwight Howard's career at all, but the post up game not working very well. It's not uh, a a large majority of the offense in general or a large majority of of uh, his. It's not a overwhelming majority of his offense, but uh, seven field goal attempts per game from the post. That's six most in the league because the league in general is not going to the post up as much. So it's easy to get into that top 10 if you try to post up at all, which they do with Dwight Howard. But they are 25th in scoring out of post ups. Once it hits the post, it rarely pops back out. The Hornets are dead last in pass percentage out of the post at 22%. Compare that with the Utah Jazz and the Miami Heat, who both have dominant big men who need post touches or want post touches. They are first and second in the league at passing out of the post at 45% and 41% respectively. So the Hornets offense has to commit to not only uh, getting Dwight Howard post-ups, but Dwight Howard has to commit to moving that ball out if the situation isn't ideal. I think that's been part of the problem. It's led to turnovers. It's led to bad shot opportunities. When he's getting that ball and not moving it if the situation's not ideal, it's easy to understand, I think, if you if you understand that Dwight Howard has always been the guy on his team, or he started that way at least in the first 10 or 11 years of his career, that he was asked to create... And, and he had the physical tools to create something out of nothing. And he still tries to do that at times. And it comes at the detriment of the Charlotte Hornets offense uh, sometimes as well. You can see a role game developing more and more between Kemba and Dwight, but it just hasn't happened yet for Nick Batum and Dwight. David, honestly, I'm not sure it ever will. Like when I watch these guys, I was watching, I was watching back at the Orlando game uh, right before the all-star break. And 
there were a couple times they got into pick and roll situations and Dwight Howard just ends up behind Nick Batum and they're they're just not creating the right angles to make for effective pick and roll plays. I don't know if an offseason would help that because they didn't really get that because Nick Batum was injured. Like will will that solve itself? I'm not sure. Uh, but right now there's there's a funkiness between those two when they get involved in the pick and roll that you didn't see with Batum and Zeller. They've got to figure that out. Uh, maybe once, if Kemba and Dwight can continue their pick and roll prowess and you can see some more lob opportunities for Dwight, that would take away some of the need to get those post opportunities and and that could improve the offense in general. Yeah, and it's such a big piece of it. I mean, you're talking about two of the main cogs, right? I mean, if they're not on the same page, that was a big selling point for the Dwight Howard edition. And, and Nick Batum was pretty excited to come back and contribute to that. So, Obviously, a lot of things have not clicked this season, Doug. That's that's one of them. And, uh, you know, I'm with you. I, I don't know what an offense or an offseason could do for that. I mean, it certainly couldn't hurt, you would think. But it's just uh, it's just a new and, and different way to play. And Batum really hasn't had a guy like that here that he's been able to operate with, not, not someone with Dwight's ability to go up and get the ball. So we'll see, man. It's definitely something that, that – if they're going to make it, it's like all this thing, all these things have to click <laughs> to your point. It's going to be tough. All right. Last change. I'm going to go to Michael Kidd Gilchrist. We haven't talked a lot about MKG over the past couple of weeks. And there's a reason for that, that he hasn't played very well. His numbers in February have really taken a hit. He has a negative 10 net rating. He's averaging only six points per game on 42.9% shooting and three rebounds. We've talked, we did talk a lot early about his improved mid range jump shot. It's certainly, David, I would call it more dependable, but mm-hmm. not dependable enough to account for his lack of a three point shot, in my opinion. And he's having trouble in a lot of other areas like finishing around the rim. His offense overall looks very good to, to uh, companies like Synergy that track this kind of thing, but it's because his transition offense is so overwhelming that it makes it, it makes up for the fact that really a lot of the offense that surrounds it is not very good. So far this season, his minutes are down. His overall field goal percentage is up three points, but his field goal per, his free throw percentage is down 10 points. That's troubling. His rebounding is down significantly as well, which you could kind of see coming when Dwight Howard joined the team. What I did yeah. not see coming, though, David, this is interesting, is a second straight year of struggling on defense. He started off well, started by improving, but Synergy right now has him ranked in the 24th percentile overall. I thought the addition of Howard would mean better things for him defensively, but we've seen a lot of confusion between he and Howard in pick-and-roll situations lately. A lot of bad body language, a lot of just weirdness defensively between those two, and uh, he's he's not dealing with the pick-and-roll well. He's not dealing with spot-up opportunities well, getting shot on a lot. He has to guard the toughest player every night, normally the toughest wing, but at the same time, I just think I would have expected better defensive numbers than what I've seen from Michael K. Gilchrist so far, um, especially when you, when you pair that with the fact that his offense hasn't been there for the past month. Yeah, probably one of the more disappointing things uh, about this team so far this season. You can really circle his mid-range jumper. If you get down and, and dig into his shooting stats, you can't see the improvement there. But that's such a small area to your point. And in today's game, if you don't have a three-point shot, especially if you're a wing player, it's almost like you're putting yourself so far down, you know, in so much of a hole from a uh, a contributor standpoint 
that it, everything else has to be top notch. And that's just not where he is. Okay, we're going to come right back. If you've stuck with us this far, we've got a treat for you. My favorite moment from All-Star Weekend. It was a behind-the-scenes moment that we just we just got a look at a couple of days ago. This is between Joel Embiid and Al Horford. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to talk about what has to stay the same, what needs to continue if the Hornets uh, want to make the playoffs this season or at least finish this season strong. Uh, we'll come back. We'll, we'll do that amazing All-Star Game moment and say goodbye. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Think about that. If they won 15 games, if they win 15 and 0, they'd be a lot better. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Breaking news. Yeah. Breaking news. Pull that soundbite. You know I wasn't about to try to do some math. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. All right, an amazing behind-the-scenes moment we have for you from the All-Star festivities. This is Joel Embiid talking to Al Horford on the bench uh, during one of the, I believe it was during the All-Star game. Who do you think, do you think MJ is the best player ever? You think so? I didn't, I mean, I didn't get, I didn't get to watch him, but, like, I mean, when I, when I look at numbers and, like, all that, uh, like, will. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why, like, he does, like, everybody's always saying that he played against short people, but, like, looking at his videos and stuff, like, like he was so freaking athletic. Like, he would have been able to play in any area, like, jump over anybody. But, I don't know, he comes out to championships, too. And then if he comes out to championships, like, Bill Russell got, has got to be the goal. Or Kareem. Yeah, Kareem, yeah. Or Kareem. So this is Joel Embiid and Al Horford, two players that are all-stars at the top of their league, talking about who the greatest of all time is like like they're in a bar, like they're you and I, chatting it up. So you you think that was completely organic? (laughs) Well, Joel, listen, Embiid, there was no, he didn't know that, it was being picked up. Well, at least I don't think so. But well, Horford certainly didn't give any indication he knew that was coming. Or no, was prepared to was, have a conversation at all. This was this was funny to me because this was like every interaction that I've had with a Lyft driver mm-hmm. that wants to talk <laughs> basketball with with me, and it's fine. Like I love talking about basketball, but it always is like MJ, greatest of all time. Am I right? Or I don't know. What do you say? Sometimes I, I look know. at the stats and I think, Will Chamberlain. And I know people say, Will, play to get a bunch of short guys. I get it. But then it comes down to championships. Rings, right? MJ, he's got the rings. But Kareem's got a lot of rings. <laughs> also rings. Also with rings. Uh, Robert Ory, he's got rings too. Where does that fit into this conversation? You know who's good Here at you. basketball? Michael <laughs> Jordan. Just well, just so my, it's so weird to see two two because again we're we're especially this season where you have like players only broadcast we're sort of oh and you you hear this all the time on the TNT like uh, uh, the TNT broadcast like Charles Barkley basically saying like regular people don't know about basketball we know about mm-hmm. basketball because we played basketball and so we have sort of a higher understanding of the game that you you guys don't have 
and then you see these two um, amazing basketball players having the same conversation that we've had with people uh, countless well, times. He would probably have to take some issue with that. I mean, the first one being, if you're going to have a conversation, you should probably watch some videos or, or see him play. I guess he said he watched Wilt's videos. He said, I've never seen Michael Jordan play. I just look at the stats. Anyway, we don't need to break down <laughs> to critique his argument. But yeah, someone else I saw posted and B's like that guy at lunch who just won't shut up when you're just trying to eat your lunch. Al Horford was just <laughs> yeah. trying to watch the game. Trying, he's he's like, why did life. I give this guy my extra ticket? Why did I choose <laughs> Daryl from down the hall to take to this game? Now he's just, he just won't watch the damn game. And I should have taken the Andersons. Why didn't I do that? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, if, if you haven't seen this clip and you just listen to that, the, after Embiid asked the first question, Horford is just nodding and, <laughs> and not making eye contact at all. Wants to know part of this conversation. Please yet, get me out of here. Into it. But then it always happens like that, right? Like you, you don't want in, you don't want in, you don't want in. And then you're like, or Kareem. And he's like, yeah, exactly. Oh, God. Uh." (laughs) Well, yeah, because you feel that's right. You feel like going back to my Lyft driver example, I don't, you can't, he's basically forcing you into a a first take kind of conversation. Mm -hmm. Like, give me, Mm -hmm. give me your opinion. And you can't just, it would be rude to be silent. So you have to say something and it doesn't matter what you say. It's going to uh, uh, further the conversation in a way that really you just want the conversation to end. Like if there were a way to turn off the conversation, like a remote to a television, you would do it because the conversation of greatest basketball player of all time is the most boring conversation on the planet. Uh, well, any other game, like if that's a Celtics regular season game and for some reason Embiid is on the Celtics bench, Horford... That's not out of the realm of possibility. In, right? Embiid, that seems <laughs> like something Embiid would do, that he would just somehow <laughs> find his way around. to the Celtics into the bench and on talk to Al Horford. Back to back, right, on the second night of a back-to-back, walk over there in street clothes. And in that case, I think Horford subs himself in immediately. He just takes his warm-up off and, and, and walks right past Brad Stevens and goes into the game. Man, Dude. I'm sad. I'm sad that tomorrow we really can't talk about All Star Weekend. It's just going to be too old. I just love talking about it. It's so fantastic. I really cannot wait for it to be in Charlotte when when we even we just get to be around it. I just want to be around it. And 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 the NBA again. I go back to the thing that I said at the beginning of the show. I love that we cover the NBA because the NBA gets it. They understand it. They understand how fans consume their product and how to monetize that as opposed to just denying people the excitement of their product. doesn't make any sense to me. I'm glad the NBA is smart about it. I'm glad that you're smart and that you listen to this show on a daily basis, and I would encourage you all to share this with a friend and make them Hornets smart as well by listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter, at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes, and while you're there, Give us a five-star review. It helps hardcore Hornets fans just like yourself find this podcast. We're back again tomorrow with more coverage of your Charlotte Hornets. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.